Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the NBA Prospects Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Rob Bruin, with my good guy, T. Rose. Talk to me. How you? I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling good. How you feeling today? I'm feeling good, man. We, we in the building. It's been a long time coming, and we about to talk basketball, bro. That's what we're here to do. We've, we've been meaning to do this for a long time now, but there's mm-hmm. been some trials. There's been some tribulations. There's been a few errors, but now we're here. So I feel like if we're going to do it, we're going to do it to the best of our ability, and we're going to make people believers, man. Absolutely. That's what we're here to do. All right, so we're going to jump right into it. I don't know if anyone's been tuned in or watching, but we're going to school you guys. Cade Cunningham, the 6'7 point guard, 215 pounds, decides he's going to stay committed to Oklahoma State. There was some speculation that he might join the G League or potentially play overseas. This comes after Oklahoma State was giving a three-year ban and a one-year suspension from the tournament in 2021 due to a level one violation from a former associate head coach, Lamont Evans. So with Kay Cunningham staying at Oklahoma State, and possibly they are challenging in this with them possibly not being able to play in the postseason next season, what good do you think it does him to stay at Oklahoma State? Well, it's really clear to me, Troy, that this is where he wants to be, you know, and we're not going to front and act like we don't know, but his brother's an assistant coach there, you know, so I think that that plays a big role in his commitment. I mean, if my brother was an assistant coach, I would want to play for him, you know, so especially being closer to family and having him there with me, I think that that's a great, it's a great move for him, you know, and it just shows how much, how committed he was instead of the G League or overseas, you know, that's just where he wants to be. And I feel like there's always been this this weird energy where they felt like most athletes are just so money driven. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're, that's not always the case. There's some athletes who just want to play ball. So he could have went to the G League and, and played and got paid. He could have played overseas professionally and got paid. But I think to me, this just shows his drive and love for the game. And obviously this is being uh, over. They're looking to appeal the the three-year ban and the one-year suspension from the tournament but I think to even go into that situation knowing that it's a possibility that you're not even going to be able to play on the biggest stage in college but still want to go there I think that shows his commitment to the school obviously he does have family ties but I think it also just shows his character and how driven he is to just play basketball I can't I can't agree anymore you know these are the type of things that I think really show these players character early You know, and I think it's very important that, you know, NBA coaches are paying attention to this as well because it'll show that, you know, he has that franchise player built mentality, you know, and that he's willing to do whatever he has to do to put, you know, put an organization on his back. So I think that that's real good for him. All right. So the NCAA bans championship events in Mississippi because of the Confederate flag. This is a very, (laughs) yeah, this is a very, very big thing. And Obviously, the Black Lives Movement is, is, is a big thing right now. And it's just important because a lot of the faces in these organizations and playing these sports are African-American. So it's important that they cater to 
the black culture, but they're deserving of it. You know, how you feel about it? I think that it's about time. And unfortunately, it takes for situations like this to happen for people to wake up. And it just so happens that the NCAA is deciding to wake up now and ban any championships in Mississippi because Mississippi, we've known to be a Confederate state for obvious reasons. So mm-hmm. I think I think that it's, it's great that the NCAA is deciding to wake up and bring awareness to this and say that we're not going to tolerate it. So hopefully they'll be able to make some changes, some other changes in other places. And we start seeing some players maybe getting compensated for their talent. You never know. That's that's a whole nother topic within itself. But that's something that we're definitely looking forward to seeing. Yeah, Brian, I, I have to ask you. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And I'm glad that the NCAA was able to wake up and do that. Yes, yeah, it's, it's time. is It's more than overdue. Now I have to ask you this. What will it take for a high school player, a phenom, to commit to an HBCU? For those that don't know, a historical black college or university, just in case you're unaware. Well, I think it always starts with a, a solid leader and a great foundation. So I think that if you could have a, a star player or a high caliber uh, athlete that's willing to take on that role and, and go to a school that represents the black community ahead HBCU, I think that would be big. Like I've watched on social media, on Instagram, we've seen Mikey Williams kind of fetch at it or throw little, throw little hints that there may be a possibility for him. So to have a player of his caliber, of his talent, to be able to possibly go to an HBCU, I think that would begin to pave the way for some other high caliber athletes to start doing that. Yeah, I, I have this, this theory that if Bronny James – Mikey Williams and Jarzier Jackson go to a Hampton, Bethune-Cookman, Florida A&M, you know, North Carolina Central. If they can do that, I think that that will be an amazing move for Bronny himself. Why do I say that? I say that because he already has the pressure of playing under his father, right? This is something that he would have done that his father has never done that will already put him in a category by himself that will shift the landscape of basketball for years to come anyway. And plus, as you know, alumni go, and then they just pull the athletes through the door right after. You know, Bronny goes to Howard. Everyone else is going to want to go to Howard just because Bronny James went there as well, and he can be a mentor to them. And not to mention, a lot of these athletes like to say, you know, I don't want to go there because they don't have the best facilities. The money will come, you know, but somebody has to put that weight on their shoulders and shift the culture. I agree, and... Again, to go to a historically black college, that means that you're representing not just for the school or the basketball team, but you're representing for the entire culture. And I think that that's good. And I think that that's trend setting. If we're able to get a young black athlete to go play at a HBCU and represent those schools on the front of their jerseys and have their name on the back, I think that that would be big. And as we've seen in the NCAA you haven't seen many historically black colleges be top tier when you talk about being in the tournament or possibly winning championships. So I think that that can possibly change the way for that. And we can start seeing some of these HBCUs get into the tournament and possibly make push to being championship caliber teams. I got to ask you this. Do you really believe that Mikey Williams were really signed to an HBCU? Well, when you look at the history of his family, his mom, went to HBCU, Hampton University. So I I wouldn't be surprised if that's not something that's in his ear or a thought that comes to mind. So again, you can't believe things until it's been signed on the line. But I 
I would sell myself about 70% that he would go to an HBCU and everything that we're seeing in the news and the media about Black Lives Matter, the history of our people, our culture. I, I, w- I wouldn't put it past him. I wouldn't. I'm not saying that he's not a believable young man, but I don't believe him until it's done. I feel like there's been plenty of moments where we've been excited, thought that one of these prominent athletes would even, you know, have the idea of going to a university like that. And we get our hopes up, you know? So I I think it's good that he's thinking about it. For me, I don't believe it until he's signing on that line, takes that shirt, takes that hoodie off and just shows us this is where he's going to be going because he literally can change, like I said, the whole landscape of basketball. Like, he has that power to do this. This man has been on the radar since he's, like, 12 years old, playing on blue chips with Bronny James, and it's just, like, somebody of his caliber. It's like, you can't even play with my emotions like that to get me excited to think that you're going to go there and you don't. Well, well, that's the thing about high school and college basketball, that it is so much excitement and build-up to it. It's so much anticipation. And I Mm -hmm. think for him to – I think for him to – again, post it and to give us little hints that it's a possibility. I mean, it brings some excitement and it brings a little anxiety at the same time, like you say, because you want, you don't want to get your hopes up to be let down. <laughs> yeah, I you know don't, I, mean? I can't. So I, can't. I, I, I agree with that. But again, I feel like he's, he's done a lot and achieved a lot. I don't think he would come this far to play with a lot of people's emotions right now. So okay. I, 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 again, I'm 70% with it. That's fair. So I know, I know we just talked a lot about Mikey Williams. He's a great talent. But there's someone else who's been on my radar, and I want to ask you, what do you think about him, one, and who would you take if you're at the park? It's the last pick. These guys would never be the last pick at the park, though. The last pick, and you got these two lined up. You have mm-hmm. Mikey Williams, and you have Imani Bates. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you think. That's For those who don't one. know, Imani Bates, 6'8", Young reminds me of Kevin Durant when you talk about the way he can handle the ball, the way he can score, the way, the way his body shoot. is built. It's frame, correct. Mm-hmm. So again, Mikey Williams, Imani Bates. Mikey Williams has a lot of hype to him, and I think he's not that he's not deserving of it because that man put a lot of work in the gym. I'm I'm gonna go Imani Bates because I feel he's a little bit more seasoned. You know, he's just showing us that grit. And he's been on the radar, you know, a little bit longer than Mikey Williams has, um, if not maybe the same amount of time. But his experience is just its just amazing to see what he's doing, the way that he can shoot, the way that he can create. I think hes he's been like, I'm going to say last year, he might have been like around 6'5", six, 6'4", six, just as a freshman playing varsity at that level. And now growing to 6'8", is just... He's just going to be an, an elite talent. And just watching how his game is developing, has been, it's been amazing. So I, I will go with Monty Bates to answer your question. I would have to agree. I love Mikey Williams. Great ball handler. Very fierce. Can attack the basket. Has a lot of heart. So I can't discredit him in any way, shape, or form. But when I look at Imani Bates, I feel like he gives me talent that is professionally ready at, his, at this point, and he's only 16. I see some things in Mikey Williams. One, being his size, he is 6'2". So... I think a lot of the the explosion that we see now may may be shifted a little bit when you start talking about playing at the collegiate level and potentially at the professional level. Mm-hmm. We look at Imani Bates, him being six eight, the way that he can dribble the ball, the way that he can create shots, the way that he can shoot, 
the way that he can get to the basket. And again, he's aggressive. He's not, he's not scared. He has heart. So when you combine all that, I think that that gives Imani Bates a little bit of an upper hand when you start talking about being ready professionally at this age. Again, he's only 16. Mm-hmm. And just to throw in there, he already has Imani Bates. He has offers from Duke, Kentucky, you know, Michigan, Michigan State, and a few others. Not to compare, Mikey Williams has a whole bunch of offers as well, especially a lot from HBCUs. And something you said that was real key, he's just, he seems more closer to being league ready. You know, just that experience, I think, would really put him in a different conversation. And watching after watching tape on Mikey Williams, his shot, his shot selection isn't always the best. I think Imani Bates, he takes better high percentage shots. And I think that's what is really the deal breaker for me when it comes to them, too, for sure. All right. So I see we see eye to eye. We're at the rec. I'm, yeah. I'm taking Imani yeah. Bates. But Mikey Williams, he might, he might mess around and still give us 30 just because we didn't pick him. Oh, that's a fact. He, he might even give us 50 because he, <laughs> he, he's known to do that, you know? Exactly. So we have to give credit when it's due. I mean, Stephen A. Smith, I'm sorry, and Stephen Jackson, a.k.a. Stack 5, they both believe in the Black Lives Matters movement and, you know, what it means to the country and to the Black culture. Stephen A. Smith, to my understanding, is saying that, you know, we still have to work you know, and regardless of the racism and all of the things that are going on against us as a culture, he believes we should still go to work. Steven Jackson, from my understanding, is saying we have a moment where the world is standing still for us. And this is a moment that we should capitalize. Which perspective do you agree with? And then we'll go on to should NBA players still play? So I feel like both Stephen A. Smith and Steven Jackson, I feel like they both have points that can be argued but when I heard you break down what Stephen A said in his statement I think the thing that stood out to me was that racism is always going to happen and exist in America and I think Mm -hmm. that's the problem and I think that's where Stephen Jackson is saying that's why we need to step up that's why we need to utilize this platform because it's not going to stop and like you said at this point There's been a lot of awareness. The Black Lives Movement has been moving full force and has literally become the face of America right now. So I think Steven Jackson saying what he's saying as far as us continuing this push and utilizing this exposure that we have right now, I think that I would have to side with what Stack 5 said. I think that we should, if possible, or if this comes to that, that we should maybe put sports, entertainment, music Mm. on pause. Because in this world, we've We've had a lot of scrutiny. We've been treated unfair. So I think that that exposure and that knowledge continually being pushed and and brought to attention, I think that possibly it could possibly bring a change. So I don't don't feel that we should just shut up and work. I think that we should continue to bring awareness and do what we can to possibly change the unfair treatment and the unjust treatment that Black Americans get in this country. I think a lot of, well, a little bit of backlash that Stephen A. Smith is catching as well right now is some people have called him a sellout, which he stood strongly on his case on saying that he wasn't. But I think sometimes people as well feel as though that Stephen A. Smith is removed from what the average American feels. You know, he is a black man, but he makes millions of dollars. So they don't really feel like he fully understands the impact of what's going on because of his positioning. And I guess you could say, the amount of money that he makes. So how do you feel about that? Well, I, I could say if that would be the case, I could say the same thing about Steven Jackson. 
I feel like Steven Jackson has made a lot of money and he's successful, but I feel like it all starts here in your mind and the type of mindset that you have and the type of change that you want to bring about. And for me, all that this tells me is that Steven Jackson at this point in his life, no matter the money or success, him losing a close friend, like a brother to him, I think that that brings awareness and says now it's not about the money. It's not about the fame. It's about trying to make the change. And I think that both guys have different mindsets based on different experiences in life. So I can't fault Stephen A for feeling the way that he feels, but I could credit Stephen Jackson for wanting to bring awareness and wanting to bring a change. And I think that's why I would have to side with Stephen A. Do I think, or Stephen Jackson, do I think Stephen A is a sellout? No. He gets on TV. He represents for himself. He represents for his family. He is a black man doing things that we don't see a lot of black men being able to achieve. So I will always be able to give him credit for that. But sometimes you have to put into perspective that everyone doesn't see same, see things the same way that you do. So I don't think that that makes him a sellout. I just mean that he just has a different mindset and not willing to put himself or his name on the front lines for a certain change. And by any means, I don't think that Stephen A is a sellout at all either. I just think that it takes a certain type of individual, a Colin Kaepernick, a Jamel Hill, to risk it all in this situation. And Stephen Stephen Jackson is saying that, you know, I'm going to risk it all for my twin, my brother, and we're going to get justice for him because he deserves it. So, I mean, they both have very strong points. I just really believe that as journalists, we have a duty to each other. Like Troy Rose has an, an opinion and a perspective. Rob Bruin has one as well. But I think it's really important for journalists as a whole, especially black journalists, not to continue to go back and forth on social media, especially because it divides us, right? You say your piece, I say my piece. And if we're going to go in depth, I'll just call you on the phone because I don't think that the world needs to see black people pulling apart. We need to be together as a unit. And that's the problem. It's too, it's too much division. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. We don't need to be divided. We, if we can all come together. And I think the biggest thing that I've been able to appreciate about the Black Life Movement is that I've seen white people participating. I think that that has been so big and it just shows that you know, even we're not saying that other lives don't matter, but we feel like these lives hasn't been treated fair and given the right just that they should be given. So I think that that's been so big for me seeing white Americans participating with the Black Lives Movement. And I, and I hope that we can bring about a change. And I hope that Stack can keep voicing his opinion and doing what he can. And if Stephen A's ready to get back to work, then let's let him get back to work. <laughs> nah, that's a fact. Last question for you. Well, you're the owner of, of the New York Knicks and who else was like the worst team in the NBA this year? It was the Knicks and on the West. Who was... All right, you're the worst team in the East and the West. LaMelo Ball is going first. Kay Cunningham is in the, the two people that we have to choose from. Who you starting with? Who you picking first for your organization? One of those names by me, I heard LaMelo Ball and Kay Cunningham. If I had those two, I'm going Kate. Wow. Yeah? I'm going Kate. Why? I'm going Kate. I'm going Kate. And I, and I say that because for every point I just made when we broke him down, when we broke down his game as far as him being 6'7", 215 pounds, playing the point guard position, we don't see that anymore. You don't see that as frequently. You see guys like LeBron James who's 6'8", who can 
facilitate, but he plays the three, four, and five. But to be six, eight at the point guard position, move the ball, contribute, score, facilitate, I think all that in itself, I feel like Kate Cunningham gives me a more poised player and under control game. So I would have to go Kay Cunningham. I feel like that's a good case. I really feel like LaMelo Ball is coming into the NBA with a chip on his shoulder. His older brother's already there. That man started high school, I believe he was like 5'7", five, 5'8", five, shot up to 5'10". Now he's a 6'8", legitimate point guard. Does he make bad decisions sometimes? Yes. Can he be streaky? Yes. But the potential for him, I, I think... Kay Cunningham has some weight on him. But I'm a go LaMelo Ball. I think he's ready for the big scene. He's from L.A., you know, you know. So I really think his he has an NBA game, and I just really can't wait to see him measure up and play against his, his older brother. So I'm going to go with LaMelo Ball for sure. And I think his, his experience playing overseas in Lithuania has allowed him to now mature. And you've seen that, not just on the court, but off the court, the way that he acts off the court, the way that he carries himself on social media. Mm -hmm. So I think that that experience playing professionally overseas has allowed him to mature his game and his physical and mental uh, stability has matured. So I think that that's been great. But again, I, I think I would still have to stick with Kay Cunningham, but I'm very excited to see LaMelo Ball reach the NBA and potentially play against or with his brother. Who knows? Not to mention the man played for a team and then bought it. That's all I gotta say. That's big boy move. Show love. I don't. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I, don't I don't know if the contract. I don't know if the contract got finished, but I did <laughs> hear. I did hear that that was supposed to happen, and if it is or going to happen, kudos to him, man. I yeah, bought. I, I played fact. for y'all. Got y'all the exposure. Now let me. Now own I'm gonna buy it. Yeah. Let me. Let That's me big boy talk. Facts. Of course. But uh, I, I want to touch on that uh, that Stephen A. and Stephen Jackson perspective because you had asked me something. So I want to ask you, with, with two black men having two different perspectives on a topic that we can say is pretty serious and considered to be probably the top running cycle as far as news and outlets go, how do they sit down as two men and coexist and, and tell both perspectives on where one stands opposed to the other and still be able to possibly help each other in the issue in which we're facing with racism. If I, if you well, sit down, if you sit down and tell me you feel this way and I feel this way and it's two different things, how can we come together and possibly figure out solutions to, to make a change? Cause again, they're both still black men. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a really good question. And to be honest, even though their perspectives are different, I think as we grow older and we mature, like I feel like our mothers have told us it's okay to agree to disagree, right? So in this situation, the fact is that Black people are receiving justice. That's bigger than Stephen Jackson, Stephen A. Smith, me, or all of us, because it's for us. I think that they're open to hashing out these type of problems because Stephen A. Smith has already went and sat down on all the smoke. Big shout out to Matt Barnes and Stephen Jack for killing that, you know, and he was ignorant about. Absolutely. Definitely right now, besides us, that's my favorite podcast. Hands down. Um, Love it. Yeah. So I think that they're just going to have to really understand that there's a lot of conversations they're going to have to have off the airwaves or maybe you never know. 
we could just have a segment of them two really just speaking and hashing it out in a respectful way, you know? But I just think, like I said before, going back and forth on social media is just not best for us right now. Because at the end of the day, we all have a job to do, but we have to understand what's most important right now. And it's black people receiving justice. And I would, and I would have to agree. Uh, I, I would hate to see two successful yeah, just going at be, it like be that. divided. So, so I always want to figure out when when there's a problem. I think the best thing to do is to find a solution. And you know, with them having the issue and both disagreeing, I wanted to see in what way could could it be done the right way to where you mm-hmm. see I, my perspective, I see your perspective, but we agree to disagree and we can be men and still move forward. So, I think that I think I would have to agree with you. I think that it should never be settled on social media or on a public platform, especially when these are two guys who at any, at any moment could get each other's numbers if they don't have it already. That's what so, I'm, and that's my point. That's my point. And I'm going to be honest with you. My, my, I started to cringe a little bit when I seen Stephen A say what he had to say. Then I seen Stephen Jackson come back and I'm like, damn, this is going to be a round two. I hope there's not a round three because it just didn't feel right. You know what I'm saying? It didn't feel right. And I don't want to see that right now. It's it's not good. It's not right for the culture right now. And is a better way that we can handle that. And I mean, I feel like they both know that, you know, they're just trying to stand their, stand their ground right now and, and just be honest about how they feel. They deserve it. They have their own platforms, but we have to remember the bigger picture and not what we do a lot is let our egos get in the midst of what's being, of what's most important because sometimes being right doesn't always mean you won the battle you can lose the battle trying to be right you know what i'm saying and i really feel like that's what it's really about i agree i have to agree so as we close out man i want to give a big shout out to the believe network for Mm -hmm. believing in us and giving us this platform i know that this is just our first show but we wanted to to give you guys something that we felt is relevant and relatable and I just had to give a big shout out to the Believe Network for believing in me and my partner Rob Bruin here. And and we got so much more to do, man. We got so much Absolutely. more coming this way. You know, so I just want to give a big shout out to the network. I'm Troy Rose, alongside I'm my Rob partner Bruin. Robert Bruin. Yes, sir. And Appreciate y'all for tuning in. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.